Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Hebrews chapter number 11 is where we are at this morning. So Hebrews chapter number 11, and uh, we're going to jump right into this as we've been looking uh, for the last several weeks, uh, different aspects of faith. Uh, We have talked about uh, several weeks ago, as we kind of started this series out, uh, we took a look to see uh, how we can minister in what is becoming known as a post-Christian culture. Uh, Again, a post-Christian culture is a a culture that is uh, less and less becoming affected by Christianity uh, in its morals and its behavior. And if you take a look around, we are seeing that more and more. And if we are going to, first as a church, minister in a post-Christian culture, and then I think more importantly, uh, as we are as individuals, as families, as we live in a post-Christian culture and work in a post-Christian culture, how are we going to uh, minister within that and in that time? And I can't think of any other way to minister in in any culture, let alone a post-Christian culture, but it requires faith, doesn't it? Uh, requires faith. It requires great faith in God, and we need to strive to increase our faith. And I'm a firm believer that in order to increase our faith, uh, it requires faith. Uh, It requires faith to have faith and to increase faith, as the Bible talks about how we move from faith to faith, and I believe that applies in two ways. One, that our faith can be transferred, uh, not transferred, but it can encourage uh, or inspire someone else to have faith. Uh, I, I may be able to say, well, well, if Brother Salaz has faith, then I can have faith and from faith to faith. But the other application of that particular passage is the fact that we move in our lives from faith to faith. And usually as we move from faith to faith and our lives grow within that, they're usually leading to a deeper or more uh, strong within uh, that faith category. And, and so this morning, as we've already looked at several uh, chapter, chap- several chapters, we have looked at several chapters, but several verses uh, here in Hebrews chapter number 11, I want to draw your attention to verse number 23. Verse number 23, as the Scripture says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer with the people of God to enjoy the pleasures of sin, or than to than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, 
For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians assigned to do were drowned. And we'll stop there in verse number 29 as it concludes the events and the faith of Moses. Moses. Now, I want to draw your attention to the 23rd verse this morning, where the Scripture says, By faith Moses, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Here we find not necessarily the faith of Moses in verse number 23, as we looked at last week in, this, in the idea of a generational faith. Uh, a faith that is passed from one generation to the next. We find another example of that in the life of Moses. Uh, Moses, of course, very instrumental uh, as Israel was left in Egypt uh, after Joseph died and they were uh, made to be uh, servants and slaves within that country. And uh, we find that this one family, when Moses was born, there was something going on in the culture of Egypt. I will tell you that it's amazing, as we'll see this here in just a moment, but you'll notice that the culture in which Joseph lived was not the same culture that Moses lived in, was it? It was not. Culture changes. And again, Moses had to minister in a very different capacity, in a very different way than what Joseph had to minister. And we too are faced with that today in that, uh, again, our message remains the same in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the fact that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, He, he came and, and lived a sinless, perfect, holy life. Was crucified. Shed His blood on the cross of Calvary. Was buried and risen again the third day according to the Scriptures. That gospel message remains the same. But I'll tell you, it's not received the same way, is it? In many places, it's not received at all. In some places in our culture, the gospel is considered to be hate speech. We're living in a different culture than we did 100 years ago or 50 years ago. We're living in a different culture than we were really even 15 years ago. And it's only the beginning of that that we have to bear down, buckle down, and say, we're going to do something about it. We're going to do something about it. We can no longer just sit by and allow things to change at the rate and the, the rapidness that they're changing without at least attempting to stand in a gap there somewhere. That we would have somebody somewhere say, I will stand in the gap for what is right. 
I will stand in the gap for what is true, for what is holy. Whether it affects the entire culture or not, it can at least affect my family. Let it at least affect those that I know. Let it at least affect those that I love. Because we have a culture that is in much need. I want you to go back, if you will, to the book of Exodus as we explore this passage this morning of the faith of Moses' parents. As they noticed and saw that he was a proper child. And there's some significance here, but there's something that's taking place that I want you to see as we preach a message this morning. A godly faith in a rotten culture. A godly faith in a rotten culture. Let's pray this morning and then we'll look at the book of Exodus. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, you have again given so much to us. Father, we know as your word says, to whom much is given, much is required. Father, that's one of the reasons we speak the way we do here this morning. Because you've given us much. Father, whether we recognize what you're going to require of us, it's a little overwhelming sometimes. Father, I pray this morning that you will use the events of Moses' family You will help us to see the culture in which they lived in and in how they withstood and stood firm and stood strong on what was right. And even though it was hard and even though it was probably very scary, God, their faith increased. And So, Father, I know that As we look at our culture today, it's it's looking scary. It's looking bleak. But Father, I pray that you would help us to increase in faith. We might see your mighty hand do things that we never even imagined, even in the culture in which we live. A revival come. A revival happen in our lifetime. God, help us in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We look back to the book of Exodus. We'll find in verse number 6, it says, And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation. Joseph's dead. Their leader's dead. All their fathers and forefathers are dead. That generation, they're gone. Notice. It says, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty. And the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are 
more mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. So get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities. Pitom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. They were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter and hard, hard with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick and in manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of one was Sifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, check this out, and ye shall kill him. If it be a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. The king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively. And delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore, God dwelt, dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that He made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. You see this? You see this culture? Now I want you to remember the culture prior to this. Joseph... One of Israel's sons, one of Jacob's sons, saved this country. Saved, really, the region as God led him. As God led Joseph through a miraculous set of events that Joseph really couldn't see as God working at that time. But God worked in every one of them. In every event that happened in Joseph's life, God was at work. I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that. We, we think that oh, the only time anything, anything good happens to us, it has to be God. And if anything bad happens to us, it can't be God. 
Now, Joseph gave testimony to his brothers that, remember this, that what Satan meant for evil, God meant it unto good. God is with you. God will be with you. Even in a, again, even in a perverse culture, God is with us. And so here you have Joseph. He's now dead. Now, up to this point of, of time in history, they gave much respect to Joseph as the one who delivered them, as the one that kept them alive, as the one that kept them in power over the region. They had much respect for Joseph. But he's dead. His brothers are dead. The people, of course, of Israel, they're beginning to multiply. More and more are born, and they're starting to look around, and they're saying, wait just a second. We can't let them become more. We can't let them become more than us, more mighty than us. We can't let this happen, so how are we going to do it? Well, as we just read in this first chapter, Pharaoh said, I've got an idea. Got an idea. Anyone that's born of the Hebrews, that's a male, kill them. It's a female, let her live. Done. He calls it those that delivered babies at that time, and, and he told them, if it's a baby boy, kill it. How cold do you have to be? How cold do you have to be as a king and a leader to say, if it's born a boy, just kill it? Done. We'll solve this problem. Oh, my. Oh, my. I think about, again, if we can compare and contrast a little bit from this culture even to our own. We have issues in this area, don't we? We have issues in this, in this area as the life of the unborn is no longer in our culture, in our society, considered sacred. It's no, it's no longer protected. No longer protected. We, we even have uh, many double standards in, in our culture today, in this one area alone. One, we, our culture, I don't want to say we, our culture would say it's a woman's right to choose. It's her body. It's a woman's right to choose. Our culture would also say that it's not a baby until it's born. But then on this side over here. So, because it's not a baby over here, let me go back here. Because it's not a baby over here, a woman can decide and do whatever she wants to do to solve her quote-unquote, her problem. Her problem. Because it's her body. It's her choice. And it's not a baby. Then you come over here, and if someone, whether involuntary, or voluntary, kills, murders a woman who is with child, 
is charged with double murder. Same culture, by the way. It's the same culture that does that. You see the confusion that's going on? And, and again, uh, it's not uh, these things, as you can see, the abortion is not a new thing. I was studying uh, the city of Corinth. Uh, it was a common practice in the city of Corinth thousands of years ago to abort pregnancies. Abortion is not a new thing in, in just in our society. It's not just a newfangled uh, way to, uh, to do this. This has been happening for centuries and millenniums even. Just in a little bit of a different way. But you see, the problem that we have is when the, the government comes in and says, this is okay. This is okay. As long as you do it in this way, as long as you do it in this fashion. That's difficult. I don't know if you saw, someone sent me an article just this last week. Just this last week, there is a, um, oh, I believe he's a state representative in Pennsylvania, has proposed for the state of Pennsylvania, and, and I may not get all of the details correctly here, so forgive me. Uh, you can correct me after if you read the same uh, articles I did, but this, this gentleman uh, is, is proposing that after a man fathers three children that he has uh, is going to be or he wants them to be required to have a vasectomy. After having three children. Now his purpose in that, uh, that was the first article I read. The second article gave a little bit of the backstory uh, to his thinking, but his thinking is the only way to uh, draw attention to the reproductive rights uh, for women is to affect men's reproductive rights. But that's the thinking. That's the thinking that is there within our culture again. That is one of the reasons we can look at our culture and say, look, Christianity is no longer being effective. It's no longer affecting our culture in the way that it once did. That is what makes us a post-Christian culture. But here within this, as we consider the faith of Moses' parents, a great faith, in a perverse culture. But we see the fear concerning the children that Pharaoh gave this command, if you will. We see the fear that's there. The women feared God, amen? And we ought to fear God more than man. I think that's a very biblical thing. Again, I don't know where our culture is going to end up, but if it continues to decline as rapidly as it has in the last 10 years, we're going to be in a world of hurt as Christians. I believe we're going to be in a world of hurt unless something can be done, unless God intervenes. We're going to be in a world of hurt. The scripture says in Chapter 2, it says, There went out a man of the house of Levi and took 
to wife, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. When she saw him, he was a goodly child. She hid him three months. And when she could not no longer hide him, she took him, or took for him an ark of bulrushes, and dabbed, daubed it with slime and with pitch. Put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. As we see and understand this frightening charge from the king, we understand the fear that they had. But number three, I want you to see the faith that was calculated by Moses' mother. She has this child, and she can tell very quickly. Hebrews describes him as a proper child. Here, a goodly, well-behaved, even as a newborn. She said, there's something special about this boy. I can't do what they said. She hid him about three months. And the Bible says when she could no longer hide him. So we've got to do something. By faith, she built a really a little boat kind of structure that she could put Moses in. She placed him in and she took him and laid him, as the Bible calls it, the, the flags within the bulrushes, or the, in the ark out of the bulrushes. That's the, the reeds or the little tall things there, the flags. She put the baby in and left him. I don't know about you, but I can't imagine how hard that must have been for Moses' mother. But the Bible describes to us that she did it by faith. She took that baby and she laid him in there and she trusted God to do what only God could do. You see, that is what faith truly is. It's trusting God for what only God can truly do. Pharaoh's daughter happened to come down to wash herself. Moses' sister is watching from afar off. She wants to see. What's going to happen of her baby brother? And as she's watching, she sees Pharaoh's daughter come down and she's going to bathe herself in the river and her maidens are with her and they're there and, and they, I don't know, if, as they hear, uh, we'll continue reading here, uh, they, they, uh, they walked down by the river's side and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. She said, go see what that is. When they opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, as you can only imagine. And the Bible says, and she had compassion on him, and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? 
Again, the perception of Moses' sister here is so great. Moses' mom comes, places Moses in the, in the bulrushes and among the flags. Pharaoh's daughter comes, the only one that could save Moses' life alive, comes and finds Moses. And again, the perception of Moses' sister, the discernment that she had, she comes and she says, you want me to go find someone that can nurse him? Would he go find somebody? She says, yes, that would be lovely. Imagine. Imagine the conversation. The Bible doesn't give it to us, so we have to imagine it. But imagine the conversation. As Moses' mother takes Moses and puts him among the flags. And not too long later, here comes Moses' sister. Mom, you're not going to believe this. You got to come. You got to come. They found him. Got to come. They need a nurse. Imagine the relief of Moses' mother. She comes to nurse her own son that she had faith that God would protect, that God would take care of. All because she did not fear the king. She did not fear the law that was given. There are pastors in Canada just not too far from us. If you're following any of that, it's, a, it's really of great interest to me as a pastor but also as a Christian. We have, we have pastors who, because they've opened their church, and they've preached, and they sang in church, that are being arrested, buildings being taken from them, because they're having church. That's the day and age we live in. I, I try not to live my life in fear, but more in reality, it's not always easy to not live in fear because when you hear things like that, you wonder, is that going to happen here? Is that going to happen here in America, in our culture? I don't know. I don't know, but I have faith that if that day were to come, that we would choose to obey God rather than man. Consequences be what they be, but that we would serve God. But I'm telling you, that's going to require faith. 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 Say, God, I trust you to do what you can only do. I hope you know the story is Moses' mother 
got to have him a little bit longer. He grew, the Bible says. She brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. That's when she called his name Moses. She said, because I drew him out of the water. When we get to verse number 11, Moses is grown. And he is beginning to notice things are different. Things are different in his life. He sees the mistreatment of the Hebrew people. The Bible says, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew. One of his brethren. He said, they're my people. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together and said unto him, What did, what did the wrong, or that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Tendest thou to kill me, as thou killedest the Egyptian? Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. He sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock, and the shepherds came, drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them, watered their flock. When they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and also drew water for us, and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, Where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Moses was content to dwell with this man, or the man. He gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. She bare him a son and called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been in a stranger in a strange land. It came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. The children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groanings. God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. A godly faith in a rotten culture. In this, of course, there's no way to justify Moses' behavior here. He did not do what was right with the Egyptian man. But he's starting to recognize and see the affliction to his people. But as word got out, he flees. He's gone. He gets married, has a son, so some time has transpired. But because 
Moses' mother's calculated faith. When the king dies, things begin to change a little bit. And as it begins to change just a little bit, the people begin to cry out to God. We want relief. God, relieve us. God, do something. Oh, is God about to do something in Egypt? And He's going to use Moses to do it. Moses is going to have to move from faith to faith. And as we look at the life of Moses and the faith of Moses, I want you to remember one thing. Moses was anything but a brave man. He was actually quite scared. He had excuse and reason to not do what God wanted him to do every step of the way. Because when God came to Moses and said, I want you to do this, I have a job for you, Moses said, well, I'm not qualified for that job. I can't do it. And when God explained to him that he could and that he would help him, he gave him another reason and said, I want you to do this. And he would say, well, I can't do it because of this. All along the way, it was not simply that Moses was a brave man that was ready to fight. It really had very little to do with that. Because he was often a scared man who was confused. But as Moses moved from faith to faith, the first act of faith, you will remember that God said, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, throw it down. First step of faith. How, how simple was that? What a simple act. Throw it down. Pick it up. Except he wasn't just picking up a rod, was he? No. He's picking up a snake because when he threw it down, that, that rod turned into a snake. So by faith, he threw that rod down. When God said, pick it up, that was a little bit more faith. I don't know about you, but I'm not a snake fan. I'm just not. Here's Moses. He took one step of faith. Snake, pick it up? Really? So he reaches down, he picked it up. Another step of faith. And little by little. You see, sometimes I, I, I think we, when, we, when we look at some of these things in Scripture and we read about Abraham and we read about Moses, we, we see and we remember Moses as he, as he led the children of Israel by the, through the Red Sea. And we think about all of these stories of Abraham and, and of Isaac and of Jacob and, and of Moses. We think of David and we think about the heroes of the faith. And we fail to forget that they were simply men like we. Their God, who they had all faith in. Moses didn't start off at the Red Sea. 
didn't. He started off by simply throwing a rod down. By picking that snake up. Notice that he didn't even stop there. He had to put his hand in his coat and pull it out and it turned to leprosy. God said, put it back in. Put it back in. He pulls it out and it's, it's clean. God had to show Moses every step of the way. And Moses moved from faith to faith. To faith. To faith. Because the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. I ask you this morning, where is your faith? Where's your faith today? Is it in Him? Is it in God? Or is it in something here on earth? Is your faith in an institution? Is your faith in the government? Is your faith in an institution known as the church? Or in a man or a woman? What is your faith in today? You see, our first step of faith really is simply just putting faith in trusting that God's Word is true. See, it takes faith to believe that God's Word is true, but I will tell you, there's something about moving from faith to faith that eventually faith stops being faith. It stops being faith. You say, well, I don't want it to stop being faith. No, let me illustrate it. Because when I say you, you have to put faith in that this book, this Bible, the Word of God is the Word of God. We put faith in that. But I'll tell you, I'm going to say something. Some of you are going to be shocked by it. But I don't have faith anymore. I'm not trying to be contrary, I'm going to explain. I don't have faith any longer because I've learned to know this is the Word of God. I don't, I don't require faith any longer because I know this is God's Word. You see, there's a difference between having faith in something and knowing something. I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but today... 35, 36 years later, I have a relationship with Him that doesn't require as much faith because I've been able to go from faith to faith to faith. See, eventually faith becomes sight. Faith becomes proof. Faith becomes something that we know, which means it's no longer But the only way for that to happen is to move from faith to faith to faith. I, I could tell you story upon story of times that I've had to put faith in God and God did what only God could do. We read about it in His Word. We see it. I will tell you, when we have that, when you have that in your life, then you can move from faith 
of faith. It may be generational in your life, and that's fine. It's wonderful. But you have to develop your own faith. Moses could not travel in his mother's faith. It was her faith. You could not travel in your mother or father's faith. You're eventually going to have to have your own. Otherwise, you're going to flounder throughout the Christian life. It's just how it works. Where is your faith today? Is it in God? Is it in His Word? What is it in your life that God is the only one that can do it? You can put your faith there. You can put your faith in Him, even in the midst of a rotten culture. Again, do you see how Egypt wasn't the ideal culture for Israel? It was awful. They hated it there. But yet their faith increased there. Look, I'm not, I'm not mad at our culture. I learned this a while back. The world is going to do what the world does. But we as Christians, as Bible believers, must stand firm on God's Word. Amen. It really doesn't matter what the world does. They're going to do what they do. Always have. Always will. We must be concerned about what we do. And if we can affect that culture, hallelujah. Nonetheless, if and when we can't, we must stay true to God's Word. By faith. Have faith in God. Every head bowed, every eye closed.